Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. Thank you. Well, it's good to be here. It's good to welcome everybody from our campuses, Homer Glen, New Lenox, those of you who are watching online on Facebook, all of you folks, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so glad to be back. Um, if, if you don't know, uh, my wife and I were here at Parkview on staff for about eight years, and then we moved to Rockford, and I was on staff at a church in Rockford for about a year and a few months, and uh, we've now come back. We've come back home, <laughs> as we say, so... We moved back in March, and I, I don't know if you've ever moved, but there's all kinds of stuff that goes into moving that you have to do. You know, you got to get the power company set up, and you got to do all that kind of stuff. And if you move back here, some of you in this area, some of us in this area, when we move back here, we've got to do something that none of us want to do, which is go get the village vehicle sticker. Look, what happens at Parkview stays at Parkview. Can I just be honest with you all for a second? This is pointless. Why do we have to do this? Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't get anything special with this. I should get free pizza or something with this thing. I should be able to have some privileges, but that's not the way that works. So, you know, it's one of those little things in life you have to do. So I went and I paid the money and I got the sticker and I went home and lost my religion trying to get the old one off and then put the new one on and... There are those little things in life that just, they just feel pointless sometimes, which is fine because that happens. But when the little things in life that feel pointless, suddenly it all starts to pile up and then everything starts to feel pointless, like the getting up, going to work, working on our marriage, working on our faith, dealing with our personal stuff. When that starts to feel pointless, that's not a good place to be. As a matter of fact, if you've lived on this earth for very long, You've probably been through that place. And what you know about that place is that when we get there, when everything starts to feel pointless, it gets dark really quickly, really, really quickly. And so then the question becomes, what, what do we do with that kind of darkness? What do we do when everything's pointless and we get offered some choices? I mean, the one thing you can do is just pretend it isn't that dark. This is fine. It's, this is fine. It's fine. It's not as bad. It's, this is fine. Everything's fine. We can do that. We can medicate ourselves through it. We can drink more, eat more, indulge more to the point where the darkness actually starts to seem kind of light, at least for a little while. But neither of those are healthy. None of us would believe that's a healthy way to keep going. So what do we do when things begin to get dark? We need some wisdom and guidance. And what I love about the Bible is the Bible is so practical on things like this. It gets into the deep realities of what we're actually dealing with on a regular basis. And there's a part of the Bible in the Old Testament that does this really well. And they call it wisdom literature. Now, when I talk about wisdom, wisdom is just the knowledge of how to live well. That's what wisdom is. And so there's this whole section of the Bible called wisdom literature. And there are four books in there that are really important. The first one is Proverbs. And Proverbs is just basically just God's common sense. If you read Proverbs, it's just a lot of really good, solid common sense. Second book in there is a book called Song of Solomon, which is about the wisdom of sex in marriage. Some of you now are interested in reading the Bible for the very first time. <laughs> Honey, maybe we should, uh, maybe our million chapters should be right there. That's what I'm talking about. Actually, rabbis wouldn't let Jewish boys under the age of 15 read Song of Solomon. So if that tells you anything about what's in there. The next one is called Job. And Job is kind of disturbing because it's all about a guy who loses everything he has because God and Satan have a bet. That's kind of dark. 
The last one and the one I want to talk about today is the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is a book that basically says, look, you can work, you can live, you can buy, you can do all of those things. But in the end, everybody dies and everything's meaningless. <laughs> not, not a lot of inspirational Instagram quotes coming from Ecclesiastes. And yet... Yeah, this is what we need. The great thing about the Bible is it doesn't gloss over reality. Here's the way I think about it. Every once in a while, my wife will come downstairs into the kitchen and find me in front of the fridge in this position. And she'll say, what are you doing? And I'm like, what, um, what are we going to do with that cheese? And she says, what cheese? And I'll go, in the... Like I'm the caveman who's discovered fire or something. <laughs> this cheese, what are, what are we going to do with it? Now, at that moment, she's not confused. She's not like, wow, Casey's taking a deep interest in our meal plans for the week. All I want to know is, can I eat this or not? I got a bag of Ricketts crackers back here with this cheese's name on it. Can I have this or not? So why don't I just, why, why do I do that? Why do I stand there and look and then go, what are we going to do with that? Like I care. What I want to know is, can I eat this now or is it promise to a future dish. That's what I want to know. The Bible does what I should do in that moment, and it cuts through all the red tape and gets right to the reality that says this. Even in this life in which we live, even when there's so many beautiful things happening, even under a blue sky that could actually make your eyeballs hurt, it's so blue. Even in those moments, sometimes everything feels pointless. So what do you do? What do you do when it gets dark like that, when everything feels pointless to us? What do we do? And so that's the great thing about Ecclesiastes. It helps us with that. And that's the great thing about Jesus, too, if I'm being honest. One of the great things about Jesus is when he comes to the earth, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that word truth there means reality. So what Jesus basically says is, I am the reality. I am in the middle of this thing that you all are in the midst of, that every once in a while you look at it and you go, what is the, it's so dark right now. This is, what is this? It's pointless. The great thing about the Christian story is it's not that God stays up here and tells all of us down here what to do. It's that God came into the middle of all of this in Jesus and said, whew, this is a mess. It's really dark here. So, and then Jesus says, what are we going to do about this? So the wisdom of the Bible helps us to process that. And that's what Ecclesiastes does. Now, a lot of you, if you know Ecclesiastes, it's because... You liked music in a period when music was really great in the 60s and 70s. And you heard of a band called The Birds. And The Birds had a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. There's a season. To, you're singing it right now and you'll be singing it all day. And you know what? You're welcome. <laughs> turn, Turn, Turn is a full chapter from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's just Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And so you may have heard that. You may have heard a verse at weddings about two people together are stronger than if they're separated. And those are great quotes, but honestly, I think we have to start at the beginning. The very first line from the book of Ecclesiastes is this, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And the Bible calls this wisdom. Because what this person is saying is sometimes, sometimes everything feels meaningless. And so much so, the word for meaningless here is the Hebrew word havel. And Havel can be literally translated, this is pointless. Pointless, pointless, meaningless, meaningless. Other translations say vanity, vanity, Havel, 
Havel. When we're in the dark, that's what we feel like. What is the point of everything that's going on? We know, after you read this book, you know that this person who's writing it is someone who's experienced a great deal of life. This person who's gone through quite a bit because you can't go meaningless, meaningless and not have anything to back it up. This is a person who's gone through some hard times. This is a person, if I may, who has been driving home from work at 5 p.m. on 294 and has decided, which we all have done if we're just going to admit it, has decided, you know what, I'm going to get off and take a side street and try to weave my way home. Forgetting that it's summer and that every road on the face of the planet is under construction. So they've traded the 25-mile-an-hour traffic on 294 for the 10-mile-an-hour traffic on Cicero, and they're sitting in traffic going, why? This is pointless. Why did I do this again? Or we just had my daughter watch the uh, Back to the Future movies, and I, I love this. This is my favorite, favorite meme ever. I just got back from 2035. LaGrange Road is still under construction. <laughs> Havel, Havel, meaningless, meaningless. Why do we keep tearing it up and rebuilding it? I'm sure there's a reason. I just don't know what it is, and it's just frustrating. Meaningless, meaningless. We all get into that spot. Some of you are having that kind of season right now, because some of you are like, hey, I hope you get to the really happy part. Fast forward through all this stuff. Let's get to the good part. And some of you are like, no, 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 stay here. Stay here because this, this is where I'm at right now. I'm in this Havel kind of moment in life where I feel like everything is meaningless. And it also says something about the person who is writing this in Ecclesiastes. It says this, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words and what he wrote was upright and true. Havel, Havel, this is pointless, is upright and true because what we need in times when things are dark is we just need some language to express it. We need a way to talk about what we're feeling. We need a way to name those emotions before God. And that's what Ecclesiastes gives us. He gives us Havel, Havel, meaningless, meaningless. Because sometimes we just need to name things for what they are. Because, here's the other thing, and the thing that I've learned about life, and hopefully we have all can get around the same point, everyone at some point, we have to learn how to walk in that kind of darkness. We have to learn how to walk in that kind of darkness, because as we've talked about, we, we can't medicate it, we can't ignore it, we have to learn how to walk in the middle of it. Everyone, all of us, we're going to have to figure out how to deal with those Havel moments in our lives. And so the teacher has figured out a way to do that. And this is the way the book begins and it starts to talk to us. It says, I, the teacher, was the king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. This guy needs some uh, pep up here. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And what he does from there on through the book is he just starts to explain it. He just starts to talk about practical stuff in life that he is engaged with and that a lot of us have been engaged with as well. And he's come to the conclusion that all of that stuff feels meaningless. First of all, he starts talking about pleasure. He says, look, I bought everything I could possibly buy. I built houses. I had multiple wives. You can think about that what you want. That's the way it was back then. I had wine presses. I had chariots. I had horses. I had all that stuff that everybody said was supposed to give you meaning and hope and life. And then this is what it says about that. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. 
Yet when I surveyed that all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Don't you get a picture in your head of this guy sitting on the veranda of some massive mansion with all of his property spread out in front of him and he's looking at it going, I mean, I guess. I mean, it's nice. How often have we felt that way? Like if I could just get... If I could just get that house, or if I could just buy that next car, or if I could just have that next thing. And what we find is we have a lot of stuff and not a lot of purpose. We have a lot of debt because we bought stuff we didn't need with money we didn't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> Havel, Havel, meaningless. But what's the point of all this? And suddenly it starts to get really, really dark. What do we do in those moments when the stuff we have is no longer giving us purpose and meaning? Or he starts to talk about work. He says, what do people gain from all their labors in which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place... The streams come from, there they return again. Everything that's happening today is going to happen again tomorrow. We're going to get up. We're going to go to that job. We're going to sit in that cube. We're going to deal with that person we deal with every day. We're going to do the task that hopefully gets the promotion, that hopefully gets us to the place that we've always wanted to be. And then we find ourselves in that spot, and all we have is more stress, more responsibility, and less time. And we look around and go, Havel, Havel, what's the point? Why was I working so hard for this thing that now has not given me life? And suddenly the lights begin to go down and it starts to get dark. And I know none of you have ever had this feeling before. This is other people, not people who are here. This is other people who have felt this way about their work. Havel, Havel, meaningless, pointless. Why do I get up and go to this job? Why do I keep doing this? And suddenly the lights begin to go down further and further. And it gets darker and darker. Or... He starts to deal with getting older. Now, I'm 40, so I'm officially old, so I can speak to this. That's sarcasm, by the way. Just in case you're keeping track at home, Mark went in the sarcasm column. He starts to talk about getting older, and things really change when we get older. And he says, listen, don't forget the God of your youth, because you, you will start forgetting things. That's what's going to happen. He starts talking about the things that fall apart. And I love this. He gets really practical about getting older. He says, there's going to be a moment when the grinders cease. Grinders here are your teeth. They cease because they are few. <laughs> So either we're going to lose them or we're going to get fake ones or whatever, and that got to stick in there. And those looking through the windows grow dim. Windows meaning your eyes. Suddenly we move from monofocals to bifocals to trifocals to quadfocals, whatever, and then we get a telescope. Whatever's beyond that, that's going to happen. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when we stop having public gatherings and meals with friends, we start to get more insulated and by ourselves. When people rise up at the sound of birds, we get up way early in the morning, but all their songs grow faint. We can't hear a sparrow to save our lives. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, suddenly everything becomes scary. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. I'm going to let you all figure out what that last one's about. 
What he says is you're going to get older. You can Botox it. You can hide it. You can do whatever. You can mask it. The sag is coming for all of us. And when we get to that spot, there's a very good chance we're going to look around and go, what's my purpose? And the lights begin to go down, and it starts to feel dark, and we say, Havel, Havel, meaningless. We start to feel the weight of the fact that the generations coming after us don't have any clue what our life was like. My daughter asked me the other day, she goes, Dad, did they have TV when you were a kid? I immediately went and took a multivitamin and stretched. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you're fine, you're fine. But the funny thing about that is I know that I can't get mad at her because her kids are going to do that to her too. Mom, did they have the internet when you were a kid? They're going to do that to her. And, and Solomon, even the writer of Ecclesiastes, even talks about this. He says, is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. It's sad. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I watch people on Twitter go into outrage because this is the worst political moment in history. No, it's not. It's always been bad. <laughs> Nobody remembers what happened before. And so we sit in the middle of the moment that we're in, and we go, gosh, it's dark right now. Havel, Havel. So with all that, we have to now decide, okay, so what are we going to do? God steps into the middle of our story and says, what are we going to do about this darkness that we're all going through together? And that's where the wisdom begins. Because as we've said, everyone at some point has to learn to walk in the dark. And so we know we can't ignore it and we know we can't medicate it. So what do we need to do? We begin to learn this. Learning to walk in the dark, we know, is now the only way through the dark. There's no way out of it. There's no way to ignore it. We simply have to go through it. And that is both hard and helpful. Because the writer of Ecclesiastes doesn't apologize. He doesn't say God is absent. God is present through the whole book. What he says is sometimes it gets dark, and the only thing you can do is to go through. We go through the dark, not around it, not outside of it. And this is where I want to talk about something that we don't talk about in the church big C very often. Sometimes when we get into the dark is the moments when we experience things like anxiety and depression, crippling levels of anxiety and depression. Sometimes it's the flip. The anxiety and the depression are what put us into the darkness. And one of the most compassionate things the church can do today is to stop letting people talk about mental illness as if folks suffering from mental illness are second-class citizens because it's just not reality. We have to begin to be honest about the fact that the dark comes for all of us, and for some of us it comes in incredibly powerful ways. As a matter of fact, statistics from the National Institute of Mental Health say this, mental disorders are the number one cause of disability in North America. About one in four adults, sit with that for a second, one in four adults, 25% of Americans ages 18 and older, suffers from a diagnosable mental disorder in a given year. Every year, 25% of us suffer from some kind of diagnosable mental disorder. Around 50 million people in the U.S. every year. And it goes on to say, chronic or serious Mental illnesses are less common, but the more common ones are described by NIMH as medical conditions that disrupt a person's thinking, feeling, mood, or ability to relate to others and daily functioning. 
often resulting in a diminished capacity for coping with the ordinary demands of life. Things are dark. Havel, Havel, and it becomes not only a reality, not only emotion, it becomes a chemical thing. And so what I love is that we are a church committed to folks who have been broken by mental illness, to families who have been broken by mental illness, because like the Psalms say, the Psalm tells us this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit. That doesn't mean that he takes them out of it. It says when we go through these spots, God is with us. And so we've started a program that's going to restart in the fall called Mental Health Grace Alliance. And if you have a family member or if you yourself have dealt with mental illness in the past, it's gotten that kind of darkness, I want to invite you to check this out, to look into this, because it is a place where you can find community and guidance for going through the darkness of dealing with mental illness. Because we, we know, number one, this happens to everybody, and number two, Ecclesiastes in no place says, you know what, you wouldn't have this if you just were more faithful. If anyone tells you that your mental illness is a result of you not being faithful enough, just tell them to find it in the Bible because it's not there. This writer of Ecclesiastes never say, you know, if you could just pray that away, it'd be great. That's not the case. And that's not the case because that's what we try to do with the dark. We try to pray it away. We try to force it away. We try to get out of it as quickly as we possibly can. And I get that. But the wisdom of the Bible tells us this. When we get into those spots, David says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. He says, the darkest valley is a place of pointlessness. When things get dark, we go through it. Even when we go through it, though, we're not alone. If we're going to learn to walk in the dark, it means we have to go through it. And when we go through it, we become stronger. God meets us in those places and God helps us in those spots. But how do we do that? How do we walk through the dark? A couple things I want to give you on that, practical things. Number one, when we walk through the dark, we need to give up running the show. The hardest thing for us to do is to give up control of our own lives. And yet in that moment, when it's Havel, Havel, pointless, and all the lights are going down, the one thing we need to do more than anything is to begin to give up control. And we see this in Jesus. He models this for us. When he's about to die and be crucified, it says, and going a little further, Jesus threw himself on the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. In the middle of a very dark moment, in a moment where Jesus could have said, this is pointless, why do I have to die like this? He says, I get it, I'm naming it, but if this is what we need to do, then we need to go through. And so Jesus charts a path for us to go through those times. Now, listen, <laughs> I'm that person who doesn't like conflict. I'm that person who likes to put everything in a positive spin. And right now you're like, please, would you do that? Um, <laughs> but there's a point where that starts to run out of runway. Like it's that person who lives in Arizona who says to you, well, it's 130 degrees right now, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> Dude, it's 130 degrees. Like, I cook stuff in my smoker on that temperature. There's a point at which we, can, we can't justify it anymore because our emotions are starting to take over. And we don't talk a lot about emotions and faith, but there's a really deep connection between the emotions that God has created in us and the things that we believe and the way that we go through life. Because our emotions are, let's just get out of this, let's get feeling happy again. And yet I think sadness has something to give us. My, the best example of this is a movie Inside Out. 
And I love this movie. It's a little girl named Riley. Her emotions actually come to life in her head, and you get to see how they all interact with each other. And I've watched it several times because I have a, a child, and I also have cried every single time I've watched it. But anyway, uh, in the movie, there's this moment where Riley's imaginary friend, Bing Bong, has lost a rocket that he uses to take adventures with Riley. She's moved on. She's grown up. And he's accompanied by two emotions, joy and sadness. Now, joy wants to tell you it's 130 degrees, but it's a dry heat. But sadness... Well, sadness wants to do something different, so take a look. What if, what if embracing the dark, what if embracing the things that feel pointless, embracing the sadness, and just crying our big candy tears about what's going on, what if that's the place where God actually finds us and gives us strength? One of my favorite authors is a woman named Barbara Brown Taylor, and she says this about it. She says, when we run from darkness, how much do we really know about what we're running from? If we turn away from darkness on principle, doing everything we can to avoid it because there's simply no telling what it contains, isn't there a chance that what we are running from is God? Until Bing Bong embraced his sadness, they weren't ready to go. And for those of us who are walking through these Havel moments, maybe, maybe instead of trying to get out of them, maybe we just need to embrace it and call it what it is. Yeah, this is pointless. Yeah, I don't think God's a fan of this, and I'm certainly not. But maybe there's something in this for me that's going to make me stronger. Because the second thing we learn about walking through the dark is that we need to ask the darkness to teach us what we need to know. There are some things in there that we can learn. There are some ways in there that we can grow. As awful as it might feel at the time, this hard stuff will make us stronger. The writer of Ecclesiastes, this is actually the wisdom that he gives us. Because at the end of the book, he has this sort of hopeful moment. He says, listen, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. What he says is, there's nothing new under the sun, guys. And sometimes this is going to feel pointless to you, but God is above all that. And he has a whole different set of rules for what's going to happen when you come out of the dark, because one day you will come out of the dark. The lights will come back on. This is going to happen. It may not happen right at the very moment that you want it, but it is going to happen. So stick with it. Go through the dark. But there's one thing of wisdom that you carry with you in the midst of that, and that's this. Wisdom is learning to walk in the dark and still search for the light. We live in that tension every day. I love running. And in 2010, I ran the Chicago Marathon, and I really jacked up my knee. I did a professional-grade mess-up on a part of my body. And I thought I would never run again without a, a brace or without pain. And then I, I ran into a, a chiropractor, and uh, she actually attends here, and it, she has just done incredible stuff to where I actually can run again, and I feel good about it, and I don't have to wear a brace. And so this past Mother's Day, I was in a really, like it was nice and warm, and I was really excited, and I felt young and handsome and vibrant and all that. And so I, uh, I went and threw my running stuff on. I didn't put the brace on. And I was like, yes, this is great. And I took off on this run. Now, it was extremely humid. So me, as a, an Irish guy, I just start to melt. The sweat is starting to pour. And so I've got my earbuds in, and I'm listening to Need to Breathe, the best running music ever. And I'm running, and it's getting warmer, and I'm, I'm sweating like crazy. And as I'm running, I hear this lyric.
right there in the forest preserve. I, it's covered in sweat at this point. It's everywhere now, and I've got and I'm trying to push through. I thought of all my friends who were in the darkness, all my friends who were in Havel moments, and I'm like, that's what we all want when we're in there. We either want an answer, tell me what this is about, or we want a way out, get me out of this. But what we're promised is the faith to deal with these hard times. And I'm like, that's what we all desperately need. And in that moment, as I'm running, a flash of blue goes through the left side of my vision. Now, I could have been hallucinating, which is very possible in the heat and in the running and in the sweating. But this thing flies up and lands in a bush off to the left. And I look at it, and, I, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's a blue finch. Which is great unless you're a bird person because you're looking at me going, it's not a bluefinch because they don't live in the United States. They only live in South America and Central America. But I'm telling you what I saw, and yes, I may have been hallucinating. So this bird flies and lands in that, and I'm like, that's not supposed to be here. And it dawned on me, of course. Because you see, with Jesus in the dark, stuff comes in that we're not expecting. These miraculous little bluefinches show up at the times when we least expect them. In the middle of the darkness, when everything seems like it's falling into a pit, suddenly this thing appears and we're like, whoa, the rules have changed. This doesn't belong, and yet the darkness begins to become light. And at that very moment, as I'm pondering the blue finch and trying to breathe, I hear this lyric. Don't let the night become the day. Don't take the darkness to the grave. I know pain is just a place. The will has been broken Don't let the fear become the hate Don't take the sadness to the grave I know the fight is on the way When the signs have been chosen running in flames with tears running down my face, I realized this is it. In the darkness, God has changed the rules. We'll walk through it. We'll call it pointless. We'll do all of those things, and he will not leave us. But in the middle of it, in the middle of the story of darkness that we have all lived in, God sends this blue finch, and it flies into our vision, and it tells us things are not as you think they're going to be. Because in the story of the Bible, when Jesus is born, we see this passage. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sit in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. When we're in the Havel, we're in the pointless. When we feel like nothing matters and everything is meaningless, Jesus shows up and says the rules have changed and blue finches begin to fly all through our field of vision. Jesus comes into the world and says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life because when Jesus came, he turned the grave into a tunnel and at the end of that tunnel, there is light, light, light. So if you're in the darkness today, don't let the darkness take you to the grave. The fight is on the way. The sides have been chosen. Keep your eyes open for those blue finches everywhere. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you that in the dark we are not alone. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the way that you help us, not by, not by making everything perfect, but by giving us the faith for these hard times that we go through. Help us to know that the darkness does not win, that we just name it and we embrace it and we learn from it, knowing that the fight is on the way and one day the light will win 
And when that moment comes, when that moment comes, we will say, thank you for bringing me through the dark. All this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.